You're listening to Good Lad Unscripted with your host. Uh, she's such a joker. Welcome back to Good Lad Unscripted, the podcast. I'm Terry Goodlad. Anna is having a nap right now. She's had a rough morning with the kids. My special, very special guest is Elaine Goodlad. I call her my sister now for those that know us. Of course, she's my ex-wife. We were married for actually 20 years. Yes. That's 20 years of your life you'll never get back. <laughs> Who are you telling? And that's how Elaine likes to describe it. <laughs> <laughs> I have therapy sessions every week for that. Actually, we're more like brother and sister now, I think. Definitely. Right? I think that's fair. You're my family. That's yeah, and you're mine. All right. Today, we're going to talk about something. It's, a, it's not a, a, what I'd call a real chipper, happy, upbeat topic, but it's something that really struck me um, just because, uh, you know, it's all around us. You you lost your mom. Your mom passed away at the age of 86. Several months ago. <clears throat> Several months ago. Uh, she had uh, Alzheimer's. Dementia. Dementia, yeah. yeah. And and so you were there and saw that decline. They live in Canada, farm folks. Um, you know, she used to send me cookies every birthday <laughs> and homemade cookies and buns and stuff like that. And uh, we lost a really, really good person like she's a really really good person your mom and dad are great people right and uh and and so we were sort of processing the whole death thing and then recently you know we've had some close friends jana rotar was hit by a car in irvine and died basically christmas day they took her off life support so tragic yeah uh, we've had some other friends um you know pass away uh, very very recently and and so it's it's uh it's something that's all around us. Me being a, a former police officer, you know, I dealt with so much of that on the job. Uh, you and I, uh, back when we were married, uh, we had, uh, I think, an unusually high number of people that were close to us, close in our circle. You know, Debbie. young and old. We had yeah, uh, <clears throat> Ethan died of cancer. People, young yeah. Debbie died of cancer. Mm -hmm. uh, Jimmy died of. Uh, he had a, a, a bleed, a bleed yeah, issue. He, he had blood out in the night. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so we've had, and there were more. There was Cindy many, was in a car accident. Cindy was in a car accident and killed. Before her 25th birthday. Yeah. And these were people that were very, very close to us. And so we've had lots of experience with death. But again, all of this is, is you know, sort of come back to us, right? Uh, I heard yesterday, uh, Canadian bodybuilder Scott Milne passed away. Okay, I'm hearing yeah, you that for hear the that. first time. Oh, yeah. Are you serious? Yeah, and we knew Scott quite well. And and so <clears throat> I wanted to talk to you. Both of us are, we're both believers, we're both Christians. And and I know m my process and how I deal with this, but I wanted to talk to you about your mom. I think it's uh, losing a parent, either losing a parent or a child or a sibling, somebody that's really, really close in a family, I think like that is is very, very difficult very traumatic uh, but I think losing a parent even more so don't you agree or well it makes you reflect on a lot of different things that you may not have reflected on having not lost one <clears throat> and you've been you've experienced this too but you definitely were you definitely are very aware of your own mortality yeah and you realize too that your parents are your only buffer before you're basically next in line and, <laughs> and, and life is going very quickly. Right. Because when you think of your parents as 40 or sorry, 84, 86 years old, you think, wow, how did they get so old? And then you realize, <laughs> oh, wait a minute. So I'm closer to 60 than I care to, to admit. Right. So life is just moving really quickly. So when one of them passes, 
you reflect on your relationship with them? Mm-hmm. You know, did you, what was complete or incomplete in that relationship? Did you go, did they go in peace? Are you at peace with how your relationship was with them? Um, realizing too that you you are kind of getting up there yourself. If they're if they're old enough to pass away from old age, you know we're not little spring chickens anymore either. So we we ask ourselves a lot of questions about well, how we're living. When, when you hit that fifty mark, mm-hmm. you know uh, it's it's kind of expected. Like like you know when you're under fifty, I think you know if you die at forty seven, it's like oh you know you were so young. You know I, I think even fifty is like that. But mm-hmm. I think when you get fifty, I'm sixty now. You know, there's a point there where people go, "Oh, he had a full life." You know, <laughs> and, and it's it, and if we were still yeah. alive when they said that, we'd yeah, smack so it's not them. so much a tragedy. You know what I mean? Like, good yeah. lad was he was sixty. Yeah, yeah he's 60. Time, time for him to go, but he had a full life. You know, uh, but I think. You know, I look, I remember when my grandmother passed away and you were extremely close to her Mm -hmm. and I was extremely close to her. She raised me. Right. And so, uh, you know, to me, she was more like a mom than a grandmother. Now she died at 97 and, and that's the thing, like the, the reaction, and this is just a a side note, but the reaction from most people at that point, your mom was 86 Mm -hmm. is like, Oh, you know, yes, it's very sad. She's gone, you know, but you know, she lived a full life and she was a good, you know, like that. Right. And they sort of wrap it. It's almost like they minimize the impact and, and what, what bothered me that, and I used to do that, but when my grandma passed away, I thought, I've never known a second of my life without her in it. I could always call her. I'd be on the phone for four hours, but I could always call her. <laughs> You've yeah, had many of those conversations with her. in a long, long time. But, but you could, you, you suddenly, like it is a massive loss. Yes, they're older. Yes, it's expected. Yes, yes, yes. But this is something that has been a part of your life, your whole entire and life. And to put that in perspective, I remember a good 10 years before your grandmother passed, you were reflecting on your life with her in it and thinking, I don't know what I'll do when she goes because the meaning of her in your life was so profound that the loss of her was going to be so, so um, unexplicably tragic. And then, you know, another 10 years goes by and she's 97. But I think that prepares you in a sense because you know, okay, in your mind, you're preparing that any time now she could go because she is, you know, she's getting older and older and older. But still... That just means you've had her longer in your life. Right. And like I said, her the meaning for you, for her in your life was extremely profound. She was a integral part of your sanity. Right. You know. That, well, that, she was my rock. She was, yeah, she was the one person on the planet that I could count on, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the thing with her is she, she had had a stroke at home. But it was an unusual stroke. I guess there's two t- two kinds of strokes. We One is it out, affects yeah. your left and right brain. And with her, it was upper and lower body. So she was paralyzed from the waist down, but up. Up top, she was perfectly fine. So it was in fine. her spine, and then yeah, and it took her right, and and so legs, um, and and I think it's you know I've I've had we've had close close friends die of cancer, and you just see that slow, sometimes not so slow erosion, and it's it's a tragic thing to see. But what you do is you experience them, you experience them, them dying twice, the process of fighting the cancer and losing that battle. And then when they die at that point, you're exhausted. Yes. <laughs> and you start the morning process all over again because they actually pass and go home. Right. And, and uh, with grandma, it was kind of like that, but the, if there was one advantage and one part of that, that I was so thankful for, cause I always, I always hoped she would just pass in her sleep, but I got to go, 
I remember the one visit I went to see her, I was there for five days and I spent every minute that I could be there with her, with her, because I knew it could be any time. And I found some old pictures in her house and basically sat with her for five days and reminisced about her whole life. And she had an extremely good long-term memory. Yes. Even to the end. So she could remember what happened when she was yes. three years old. It was yeah. the most bizarre thing I've ever she seen. She won't remember what she had for lunch, mm-hmm. but she'll remember yeah, stuff. And she so can tell you people's really names for you and too. What, what the year was and like that. Mm-hmm. And, and so it was a very, very incredible time. I got some video footage then and recorded some of it. And <clears throat> I've never been able to bring myself to edit it. But I think, I think having this conversation is going to help just okay now it's time you know i think right. i'll edit it put it all together and you then, can fondly listen to her voice again and yeah. think wow that was really special yeah. and that's special that you had that i had the same with my grandmother somebody interviewed her as a uh, late in her late 80s and she was telling all the stories all the hardship stories from back when and it was just so interesting because i find history fascinating and mm-hmm. we don't we don't ever want to forget where our parents came from because essentially that's who we are today is where they were and how that affected us. And Remember that story your grandma told about uh, they were harvesting, right? Yeah, they were <clears throat> harvesting, and my grandfather had just taken out a loan for two big Clydesdale horses mm-hmm. because that's how they harvested. They didn't their have crops. tractors. And they had no tractors. Yeah, and so they were harvesting, and there was a storm coming. So he was trying to get as much done as possible. But what he didn't realize is it was a it was a thunder and lightning storm, where the lightning struck. These two horses and killed de- both horses, dead. <laughs> yeah. both Clydesdales dead in the field. And my grandmother telling this story, and as I listened to the tape over, I didn't realize growing up, uh, she has a very, very thick Norwegian accent, and I didn't know she had an accent until yeah. I went back and heard this tape. But she's telling the story, and of course she was crying as she told the story because they they hadn't paid off this loan for these two Clydesdales, and now they had to go get two more Clydesdales mm-hmm. and take out another loan, and they had no money. And it was just a real hardship, tragic story. And she was weeping as she told the story of how they had to go and, you know, get more horses. But and they didn't tell the story. And, and you realize that's what makes I've you who thought, you are. I've thought about her and, and she wasn't my grandmother, but I thought about that story many times mm-hmm. when we get in a tight spot or something's challenging. I think, how you know did what? they do it? Back how did they then? do it back then? Like I think of my grandma, she had a, an 11 by 11 foot shack with a straw mattress bed mm-hmm. And that's how she started in life. You know, she got married when she was very young, early teens and had kids and she raised them there. And so that's, you know, wood fires and chopping a hole in the ice at 40 below in a Saskatchewan winter to get water for the kids and baking bread every day. And I wish people, more people heard these stories because same with my grandparents and my (laughs) grandmother that I just told you about. So there, there they are in the farm using Clydesdale horses to, to cultivate uh, and take off their crops, and they had 13 children. Their firstborn died at the age of one years old because the doctor made an error when they were doing a minor procedure, and he they used ether, and the child had eaten, and he didn't know the child had eaten. So yeah, that's how he yep died right on the table. And then they had 12 more. So you've got 12 children. You're in a farm in the middle of Saskatchewan, Canada, 40, 50 below, whatever, in the wintertime. But you're, you, everything is hard. You know, and then you've got two dead Clydesdales that you haven't paid for, and you got to go get two more. Like, just imagine, and you've got all these mouths to feed. And, and, and the thing is, back then, you know, credit isn't what it is now. 
you know i mean there's no, no getting out of it you know what i mean no. you, you pay stuff or you're ruined right and and uh and it's you got to just by the mercy of somebody who right. believes who in believes you. in you because your name stands for something. so how you live right. in that community just, and everything you do you know what these generations today can't even fathom what that no. was like but we've heard those stories and i'm so grateful for those stories because that has molded me as well and shaped me and on that note, you know, with, with my mother passing away, I had, you know, say four or five years to prepare as she declined with the mm-hmm. disease of dementia. And so it started off just with noticing, you know, she didn't know where the bathroom was in, in my brother's house when we were visiting. She just, she couldn't find her way around as well in the house. And we're like, that's kind of weird. She's been to this house a million times. Why doesn't she know where the bathroom is? Mm-hmm. So you see, you see that starting to decline, but then it just, you know, gets worse and worse and worse. And <clears throat> what I didn't realize until her mind was completely gone, mm-hmm. and she she just looked at you with this blank stare, she didn't know who we were, is I was never going to have a normal conversation with my mother ever again in my life. What did that feel like? I felt like, okay, could I have done more when she was around to mend, to mend things, you know, because, you know, my parents are really, really good people, but the way I was raised was just all they knew as far as how to raise a child. Right. And it wasn't necessarily, it wasn't necessarily conducive to strong, um, confident, um, well, you know, just to give some background, good self-esteem. It wasn't yeah, conducive to that at all. We're both Christians. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> uh, they were Christian people. Uh, but back then, uh, it was very, very lots of rules, <laughs> lots of rules, and hard work, that, hard work, hard and, work and, and lots of obedience. And if you, you spare the rod, you spoil the child. And if you disobey, if you even say something out of line, you're going to get a smack in the mouth and probably a, a belt on yeah. your on your hind <laughs> on your hind side <laughs> on your bare skin. Yeah. So yeah, things were definitely different back then. Right. And so when you reflect on how that affected you as a child when you're raised with zero Mm self-esteem and i was because you're not supposed to compliment your kids right my 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 yeah my grandfather told my mother don't ever praise or encourage your children because their heads will swell they'll get a big ego so she went overboard to make sure we were not going to have an ego right what she knows knew later in life as opposed to back then she would have done things very differently but it was too late she made sure she suppressed any type of confidence we could have had growing up. So did I have a great relationship with my mom? Not necessarily. I didn't have that, you know, I would run and tell my mom everything or go ask my mom's That's advice on something. you took your secrets. No, it wasn't. And so I, I remember being very much independent as a child mm-hmm. and, I, and I didn't go to my father. My father was always working. He was always on road trips or moving company or farming or whatever he was doing. He had five hard jobs. Hardworking guy. Yep. Hardworking guy. <clears throat> That's where I get that from, I guess, which is, you know, a blessing. But so when, when that relationship, I noticed when she was starting to slip, actually, even just before she started to slip, I will admit, I I started feeling a little guilty because I hadn't tried to nurture the relationship that I did have with her. Mm -hmm. So I turned it around many years ago and I, my mom and I would go for a walk when I'd be visiting and we walk around the whole town because the town is 15 people. (laughs) Yeah, you can. And it's not a marathon. Trust me. So we're walking and I said, mom, I want to hear about your life. And I asked her about her life and asked her to tell me about herself. Do you know that she had nothing to say about herself because she had no sense of self whatsoever. 
she'd say, well, and she had to really think about it. And then she'd start telling me what somebody else thought about her. I go, no, 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 that's not what I'm asking you. I'm asking you to tell me how you felt about this or tell me what your life was like. She had the hardest, I, it was like pulling teeth, trying to get something out of her. And I realized she literally had no sense of self. Of course, her father is the one who raised her to raise me the same way. Right. She had no sense of herself whatsoever. She had, she didn't even feel right about saying something positive about herself. It was the most bizarre thing I had ever experienced because she didn't get what I was trying to do. She didn't, she didn't under, even understand the questions I was asking her. Like she had no sense of an opinion or anything. So I started to try to build her up a little bit and, but it was frustrating because she, if we're cooking in the kitchen, she couldn't even pick a dish without asking, so is this, is this one? Okay. Is this the one we should use? She was so indecisive and had no confidence in any of her choices. Mm -hmm. So I just felt, I felt really bad for her. And so that was more of a, a sense of pity that she had to be raised like that, but she didn't have time to capture her self-worth and gain some confidence to go through any part of her life and own that. She never had that. How did that rub off on you? Well, it affected me in that I just felt so, I felt like, okay, could I have done more? Was I, was I too hard on her because the way my past affected me, I wanted to get back at her. So instead of me nurturing her and trying to bring her along, you know, when you go home and you're always your, your parent's child, it doesn't matter if you're yeah, 50 you or you're 40, you're their 12 year old. So you still harbor those, those teenage feelings and you'll find yourself talking back and going, mom, why do you have to say that or dad? And you're like, wait a minute, I'm 45. I've been away from home my whole life. Why am I talking to my parents yeah. like that? But there's still that ornery teenager inside of you that just wants to, uh, you just, just want to triggered, right? Yeah. I got yeah. triggered a lot. Mm -hmm. And I did with my mom and my dad. I still do with my dad sometimes. Cause he's, you know, he's, well, you know, you and him dad. like to butt heads. Yeah. And, and it's like, okay. And the, so and the crazy part is, is growing up, you were his, you were his sidekick. I was his, I was his favorite little daughter. And he was like always, you know, bringing me treats home from his road trips. And, and he really, you know, and then as I got to be a teenager, I realized as long as I was his little girl, I was okay. But as soon as I grew up and had an, he didn't want me having an opinion. So he was a Baptist minister in the fundamental sense of Baptist mm -hmm. uh, religion, and he had convictions. So my opinion, whatever that might be, just really didn't matter because yeah, he's going he's he's to trump me anyway. Yeah. So <clears throat> long story short, I didn't have a great relationship with him either. As a matter of fact, I, I really did move to get away from the home life as early as 15, I, I convinced mm -hmm. them to send me to a private school. And you went to Bible school. I basically, I became a master manipulator yeah. early in life. I didn't think my parents could handle anything. So I was very, um, very manipulative in how I would, you know, tell them things or not tell them things or beat around the needed. bush to get what I needed because I just <clears throat> felt like they were so conservative in their life and in their mm -hmm. thinking. So I, I was really gone from the age of 15 on. Mm -hmm. But recently because my mom passed maybe you know five say five months ago um my dad realized you know he he just he just misses her so much so mm -hmm. he's i listen to him on the phone and i do actually call him a lot more often and just listen to i just let him talk mm -hmm. my dad likes to talk about himself anyway so i just let him talk 
and he, he reminisces. wasn't raised by your by your other grandparents. No, <laughs> no, he's a, he has lots of opinions. He's allowed <laughs> to talk. He's got lots of self esteem because he he wasn't raised by them at all. Because no. they were they were out in the fields and they were raised by their older siblings. Right. So my dad, you know, he just your dad comes from a, a big family. Big family, yeah. There he was one of twelve. The Austrians and they're Vikings yeah, and they're they're all Vikings descendants and, of. But they're just happy. Lars the Great himself. They <laughs> want to laugh at themselves. They want to yeah. eat and laugh and eat and laugh. That's and they all they want to being do. together. Right. And my mom's was straight up German. Right. If you've ever watched The Simpsons and they <laughs> mock the German family reunions, you'll know what I'm talking about. Forgive me if any of my family is listening right now. But um, so my dad is really sad. He misses her a lot. <clears throat> and in his, in his um, reflection of her, I'm missing her the way he's describing her because I didn't take the, ch- the time to go, you know what? My mom, you know, she loves to make sure there's fresh baking when we come home from school. Um, at her funeral, we got up and really had to muster up some stories. And it turned out we actually had a lot more to say than we thought we would. No, this is you, your brother Donald, and your sister Michelle. Right. My siblings and myself, we all got up and said something and told little stories of what we remembered. And, mm-hmm. and they were fond. And then I realized all the more my mom was just a little girl. And she did the best she could. And she just didn't have a sense of herself because she wasn't allowed to. Mm -hmm. And she knew nothing other than to put that on me as she was raising me and my siblings. So we have issues because of it, but I've since gotten as much therapy as I needed to to make myself confident and make myself really believe in who I am. Um, Did you stop being angry, angry with her once she passed? I stopped being angry earlier. I mean, it didn't, I had a harder, even, even when she was still, had her mind it was just really even hard to be on the phone with them because my mom was so guilt-ridden about everything and everything you know you you dare go on a vacation and you know you know her voice Mm -hmm. (laughs) oh elaine (laughs) do you think you should have gone on that oh i don't know if that was necessary everything was shrouded in guilt and and necessity necessity (laughs) if it wasn't necessary why would you do that like it just and there's an argument for everything and that takes you back to your childhood and that triggers you a lot so conversations were not pleasant but in hindsight I think about her and I think about all the qualities she did have. She loved, you know, baking for the neighbors or let's take this person. They're sick. Let's take them some fresh, fresh made buns. And, you know, she was, she was a very giving person. Yeah. And so there's a lot I learned about her. Both your mom and dad are both. Oh, very, my dad would give you the shirt off his yeah, back. He's literally he's helped so many people and he gives till he has nothing, which mm. tells me again, why I am the way I am. So you do get a lot of really good qualities. I got my work ethic from them because all that was important yeah. growing up is you're harvesting. We're planting an acre of potatoes today. We're planting a vegetable crop. We're planting, planting our, it just, it was all about we're doing working that before lunch. We're doing that all of that before lunch. <laughs> So, and I'm driving a tractor when I'm 12. I'm helping my dad, you know. You and your cousin Paul are doing moving jobs in, down to Minneapolis. I was moving jobs when before I was, e- <laughs> I couldn't even legally drive a big rig. And I was driving a that with rig. my cousin Paul, who's a year older than me when we were teenagers to Kansas. So this is what the kind of upbringing, and I look yeah. back and I just laugh. Like yeah. who would, and we didn't think there was anything wrong with that. Right. Why wouldn't you get in a truck? And go do a moving job because your parents told you to, and it's in another country. Yeah. How did I even get there? Did I even have a passport? <laughs> I don't understand what happened. Anyway, yeah. 
it was just a really a really unique upbringing. Well, that's but the I Austrian way. It. That's the Austrian way, though. Mm-hmm. You know, True you story. Go do it. Make it happen. Right. Yeah. Now your dad and I, I know you guys really butt heads. Uh, did you learn anything from this experience with your mom that you can apply to your experience with your dad? Because your dad's eighty four. Um, I know. Yes, I did. I did learn. He's struggling now that mom mm-hmm. is gone. Yep. <clears throat> um, His short term memory is really starting, starting to, to fade. go. So yep. it's just and looks like just normal senility. And I don't so know it's, it's, a, it's of, inevitable at some yes, point. Yes. You know that you're so going to lose that's him as why, well. Like I mentioned earlier, so I'll call him and I'll say, and I just because he's a Norwegian loves to laugh, loves to eat. So when I call him, I start off with a joke because, mm-hmm. okay, so recently here's, here's my dad. He's out shoveling his walk because there's too much snow. Yep. He's 84 years old. It's 50 below zero with the wind, with chill. the wind chill factor. So if anybody even understands how cold that is, so it's 50 below. My dad probably has a pair of gloves on. I don't even know if he has a scarf on. He's out there shoveling his walk because that's what you do. He goes inside and he's short of breath. And so he actually took himself in because he didn't know, you know, what am I experiencing right now? This is really weird. I can't catch my breath. Well, he collapsed a lung. Yeah. So he's, he, they take him to the hospital. They've got to deal with this lung issue, making sure his lung will work again on its own, doing everything the doctors will do to, to make sure everything's going to function properly. And he's still in the hospital. Mm-hmm. So this happened two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. So every day. But, his, but he was going to drive. Now, you live in Wadena. You're from Wadena. Right. I'm from a town called Tisdale that is an, literally an hour away. Right. We didn't know this till after we were married, but my great grandparents used to hang out with your grandparents. Yes. We didn't, I mean, how, how in those unusual. farming communities right. out there, they were good friends. And so in Wadena uh, is a town of 1500 people. The ho- the hospital is, it's a very it's good the hospital, hospital. I was born in, but you're not going to go there for specific Something things. Like really, your lung really, collapses. You're probably going to go right. to, the, so they transport the you to the, the nearest city, which is two hours away. So yeah. dad wanted to drive himself there. Well, he was going to drive himself, but he thought he would, he might as well just take the ambulance ride. And, uh, what did he say? <laughs> he called it a joy ride. Yeah. He's just going to take the joy ride because I know I could just drive myself there because that's who he is. <laughs> he just did a little short of breath. I'm a truck driver. Why can't I just take myself to the hospital? Yeah. So he's funny that way way but so he's in there and every day his best friend Don okay my brother and my dad are both name is Don yeah and my dad's best friend's name is Don (laughs) Don Don and Don anyway so Don calls he goes yep your dad thinks he's getting out today and I figured if they keep putting tubes down your throat and they keep, you know, whatever it is, apparatuses they have on your face right now, I doubt you're going home today, Don. <laughs> but he cracked all these jokes about it. So I just called him up and I said, so are you driving those nurses crazy yet? You know, you just got to, you got to make him feel like he's got something to laugh about. Right, right. And right away he starts to giggle. And goes, well, yeah, I mean, I, I should be getting out of here by now. And I said, well, dad, <laughs> you, your lung collapsed. You're 86. You're 85 years 85. old and you're, you're shoveling your walk in 50 below. So think about it. He just doesn't get it because he doesn't think there's anything unusual about that. No, so. but the thing of it is, is like him. Remember his older brother Norman? Like Norman, Norman was so. I, I don't even if delusional is the word, but it's like they live in an alternate universe. But they believe it so strongly that 
You know what it is? These they're, guys could survive creative. cancer. You oh, know yeah. what I mean? Oh, like, yeah, they like convince they're themselves they're, they're absolutely fine. Their, their creative side of their brain, I think, is working on all cylinders. Cylinders, And yeah. then the other side, there's no analytical side, no common sense <laughs> side whatsoever. And that's right. the frustrating part for us is we just have to stop him from some of his tangents. But wouldn't you like to go for a vacation in his head? Like just for a couple of days. <laughs> I, I feel like Imagine I've been the rides on there. way too many vacations in his head. So I'm, I'm over it. But so when I call him, I just try to make him laugh and I let him talk and I let yeah. him reminisce about mom and he cries every time he misses her so sure. much. Everything reminds him of her. They were together 58 years. Wow. So as long as you've been born, they were together and it's hard. So I just uh, let him, let him talk and I reminisce. And every now and again, I just throw in a joke to make him laugh at himself. And so that's what I'm trying to do is just not. And I always tell him how much I love him. And, you know, that's been really hard over the years is saying I love you to people that you think have just, uh, I don't want to call it done you wrong because there's so many things right about. Made your life difficult. Made my life difficult at the time. <laughs> when I look at it today, I wouldn't be who I am today without the work ethic. I mean, I could have used a little self-confidence, let's be honest. <laughs> I mean, you dealt with that trying to get me get ready for shows. Stupid. <laughs> when I'm doing shows from the age of four, 39 to 45, right. and I still struggled with confidence, there's something wrong mm -hmm. with that. Yeah. But you know what? You, you push through because you know and you realize at that point in your life that you're there dealing with those difficulties because you have something that you can share with others and you have ways to help others over their obstacles that you've been through. And that's what that's what we're all here for. You and you as well. You've had a really, really tough life. Mm -hmm. God put you there for a reason because he brought you here right. and he brought me here so that we can influence others. That's what this whole journey is about. And might I say, uh, you know, this, this whole situation with Anna and I having foster kids, being foster parents and uh, the nature of your work, you work out here in the West Coast of the U.S. a lot, and when you do, you live with us. And when you're not here working, you're back in Florida, um, you know, living your life there. That's where your home is. <clears throat> and so you're around our kids a lot. Uh, you're a fixture here. You're Auntie Lane, you know, so mommy and daddy and Auntie Lane. That's that's kind of, you know, the, the who they... The family unit. That get their direction use. from, yeah. you know. And so... Uh, what I've found is uh, watching my kids, and of course our kids are all traumatized kids, right? And, uh, and because of their trauma, they're actually considered special needs kids. And so mm -hmm. they're in therapy all the time, every week, twice a week. They just came back from therapy, mm -hmm. right? Uh, twice a week, they're in therapy. And, and so you become sensitive to the issues that they have. And when they go to therapy, it's not to make the kids better, it's to teach the parents how to bingo and let me tell you something about that as i'm here in your house mm -hmm. and i first experienced these three beautiful children at first it was just the one and now the two girls have added and and i found myself and this i've learned so much being in this house with these three kids i mm -hmm. can't even begin to tell you how much i've grown i watched them and i used to interact with them and found myself looking exactly like my mother right and i would get irritated, upset, angry. I'd want to put down the iron fist and just, I was like, oh my gosh. Start laying out the rules. This is exactly what my mother did to me. She, right. she, You couldn't be giggling and having fun and being silly. You had to smarten up. You had to behave. You had to do as I say, do it now. Like I was, I was becoming one of those adults that doesn't let children be children. And see that my, what I've learned is, is that Maybe now, having said that, 
what chance did your mom have? Exactly. And so you can you can start to forgive at mm-hmm. that point, and you realize, and you realize, like I, it's the same thing for me. You know, <clears throat> um, I have different issues than you do, but I have issues because I really didn't have a father. You know, and uh, it was my grandmother, and you know. John Wayne that I watched in movies and you know that's how it was guys in movies and comic books and stuff Mm -hmm. like that that became my dad you know those are my and and so there's things that I'm really really good at and there's other things that I'm really not and one of them is is feeling like like I've when we started this it was like I'm a support system here to support the family but Anne is the one that builds that lasting relationship they're not going to want that with me well now, Why would you assume they didn't want that? With well, you? but that's the way right, I was raised, exactly. you know, that I didn't have that worth. I, nobody mm-hmm. would want to, you know, people reject right. you, you know? And so anyway, that's what I believed. And, and for the sake of the children, when Anna pointed out that Terry, you know, you going over there because that's more comfortable for you, understand what that's doing to these kids. Right. And, and it's then like, you okay, so you instantly yes. change, but the process of changing I have the internet, I've got videos, I've got podcasts, I've got books I can read, all this stuff. And even then with all that you still have tsunami to of information. And you still have to be that person. It's work. Yeah. It Hard is. work to, to just take something you've been doing for 60 years and turn it around and do it in a different way. But I'm doing it. It's just, it's hard work. And so I look back and I look at our parents, my grandparents, your mom and dad. I look at that and I go, you know what? They didn't have access to all this information because it didn't exist then. And and just the even if they did, the sheer amount of work is staggering. It is. And, and, and you, so it you just learn becomes, to really forgive, don't you? You learn to understand. That's what I was well, say. forgiveness comes from understanding first. So when right. you understand, you do you do really start to forgive. This has been a three year process now for yeah. me in your kids' lives. And when I go back to Florida and I hear them and they, you guys will FaceTime me and I'll yeah. hear the kids in the background, I think oh my gosh, they're just laughing and carrying on and being silly. When I get back there next time, I'm not going to, like I found (laughs) myself wanting to stifle them all the time. And I thought, no, when I get back there, I'm going to take the time to just listen to what those little twerps are saying because they really do have a voice now. And they're, they're coming across with their silly little sentences that mean nothing, but it means something to them. And yeah. that's the important thing is I was made to feel like nothing I had to say mattered. So why yeah. would I do that to another child? Like, I'm, I'm Why wouldn't I listen and just hear what they have to say and just laugh to myself and go, that is so I'm cute. sitting in the van yesterday and I wish so badly you could have been there. Anne and I were there and I don't think she and I have laughed this hard in decades. Like I just, I don't remember laughing this hard, but they're arguing back there because Jesse's saying that there's two Emmas in the car and so there's this big fight going on between the three of them and they're yelling at each other and they're just upset because there's three m or two emma's in the car and he says i'll show you and then he looks at her and he does this thing he learned how to go cross-eyed here a few weeks ago so now he, <laughs> his eyes get big and he kind of goes cross-eyed he says see i'll show see, you there's see there's two, two emma's <laughs> and he thought you were <laughs> going to see what he, he says was i'll seeing. show you he says because <laughs> <laughs> see there's two emma's <laughs> So he thought you'd be able to see them if he could see them. But if we had stifled him and tried to tell, okay, you guys, you know, no yelling in the car, you know, if we we would yeah. have missed out on something truly right. wonderful. And, that's and, the and thing. These they're are just all processing life. Special little moments. You know, and all that energy has got to go somewhere. And I was raised the same way. You know, you you children are supposed to be seen and not heard. Mm-hmm. And, you know, spare the rod, spoil the child. We don't, I mean, legally we can't use capital punishment with the kids and we just don't anyway i wouldn't do it right and uh and so you have to 
crawl inside their heads. You have to build a relationship with them of trust. And then how it is with us is our kids just don't want to disappoint us. The worst that ever happens to them is they go on timeout. And that's the worst that happens to them. But you do. You talk to them and you explain to them what's happening. Nothing was ever explained to no. me. And so, and so the thing of it is, is I look at that and I go like, you know what? My grandma did a pretty darn good job with what she had to work with. And, uh, and not so much her. It's not my grandma I had a hard time forgiving. It was my grandpa. Mm-hmm. And because he was this, you know, he was, the abusive he was an guy. old school Norwegian yeah. guy that, you know, there were rules and everybody abided by them and kids were seen and not heard. And, but that's, yeah, that's, you know, kind of the same way you were raised that way is, is, uh, yeah. So, so I understand it better now. And so when you understand it and you understand they were at a disadvantage, mm-hmm. uh, it stops projecting onto me. Mm-hmm. And I, I realized it wasn't my fault. Right. That's you know the I mean? thing is what they yeah. did. And, and there's total forgiveness And I was right. To feel it was unjust, I was right. You know, they just didn't know any better. It's just circumstances. Right. And but so, that's where understanding, you know, you get forgiveness yeah. from understanding. So now we look back at them and go, you know what? I, I see now how they did the best they can. Yeah. They don't affect me anymore. I, I've long since been living my own life. Since 15, I made sure I was living my life, making my decisions because I... And you made nothing but good decisions. I know. <laughs> you know me. I was out at 15. I made, nothing but, I made nothing but good decisions uh, my whole exactly. life. But wouldn't it have been nice decisions. to have parents you could go back to and just say, hey, what do you think? And yeah. I can't turn back the clock, neither can you, but we can turn back the clock for these kids. Right. And so maybe, 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 maybe that was God's There's plan. always something to be learned in death. Right. Because everybody's going to die someday Mm -hmm. but what do we learn from the people in our lives the people we've lost and and just the fact that someone close to us has passed away Mm -hmm. you reflect and you do something good with that and for me it's about you know number one i'm going to take care of my health Uh, my mom you know whatever caused dementia in her life i'm going to do my own little research i'm going to make sure that i don't fall into the same kind of sickness i'm going to take really good care of my body really good care of my health from the inside out and I'm also going to show more compassion and I'm very compassionate, a lot more compassionate towards my dad now. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I'm going to be more compassionate to the kids in my life because I'm now that adult that could make or break their world. Right. So I'm going to do this better. is where they get their mm-hmm. self-esteem. When they come to show you their little thing, they cut out your reaction. You can't crush some, them. It's, exactly. it's going to breed something in them. <laughs> yes, good or bad. And it's up to you mm-hmm. what that is. Exactly. And so, I, I, you know, I think of last night and I come in here and, and Katie was in here with you. and She likes her alone time with Auntie. Yeah. And she thinks because the kids are yeah. in the other room. Because <laughs> they're a year younger than they're her. They're a whole year younger <laughs> than her. So she calls them the kids. Yeah. So it's just going to be Auntie and I and we're going to watch a little program on my phone because that's really special. Yeah. Never mind, there's three huge television sets out there in the house. Not one of them is in my room. So now we're going to monopolize my phone with another kid's show and I just but, have to laugh. But you handled it very well. Oh my goodness. Yeah. No, I think, I think uh, you know, when our parents go home, of course, we believe they go home. You know, they go yep, back to they be go with back God. to be with Jesus. So it's, it's a, there's a sadness to see them go, but it's not... I don't know if tragic is the right word, but it's not. It's No, it's life. It's a part of there's life. There's no question where they went. No, and, no. And they're getting their reward now, and so we feel good for them, mm-hmm. right? Um, uh, we miss them very, very much, but 
reflecting and going, what can I learn from this? And sometimes I know I'm prone to this as I get hung up on the bitterness. And having these kids uh, has given me a different perspective. And And what it is is that I have an opportunity. I was given all of that so I know what the result is. So I've got so motivated not to put that into these kids. Definitely, that's the lesson. And I want you to know that what you instilled in me early on, because I've known you since I was 22 years old, what you instilled in me early on is just, you know, people are going to do what they're going to do, but it doesn't define who you are. Right. And one thing I learned even later in life, reading a book called The Four Agreements, is how do you not take what any of these people back in the day did to me? How do I not take that personal? Right. Right. So that's the lesson. You don't take it personal. Our parents did what they learned from their parents, what they learned from their parents. And that's what they did. That's how they raised their children. We can't take that personal and hold that bitterness in our heart because that is going to hurt us in the long run. Mm -hmm. And really, it wasn't about us. It was about them. No, it wasn't a shortcoming of yours or a failing of yours or you were a bad kid or anything like that. It was just that's just, yeah, it was their limitations. Right. With our kids, just want to have a lot less limitations. Exactly. You know. Anyway, I if you've lost somebody or if you're struggling with a parent or uh, somebody in your life uh, struggling with self-esteem, struggling with your childhood and things that happened to you, and I personally don't know anybody that isn't, mm-hmm. um, hopefully this helps somebody. You know, I, I really hope they do. So thank you for listening. I'm Terry Goodlad. This has been Elaine Goodlad, my, my sister. <laughs> Today's show is brought to you by blessedbodywear.com and silverbulletantiaging.com. Get a hold of Susie Bell. She will get you sorted out if you need hormone replacement therapy. Thanks, everyone, for listening. We'll be back in a couple days with another show on Good Lad Unscripted, the podcast.